the Elon Musk, Musk Twitter saga continues on. Uh, we now have a ministry of truth in this country. And how does a software glitch ruin a marriage? We're going to find out. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Happy Friday. I know I'm supposed to take uh, today off, but uh, the reason I didn't come online yesterday was because I had a ton of audio to cut. And you'll, you'll see it today. It's, it's just, just a load of audio. So this was going to be a... This, uh, that's an unfortunate thing about doing this by yourself. You don't you have anybody helping you. So... <laughs> uh, so let's go into it. Um, Project Veritas released an audio of an all-hands meeting with Twitter concerning Elon Musk. Now, I, I got to tell you, I love Project Veritas. They always seem to get just the, just the nastiest information, always. And they did again here. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. So it's about a two-minute audio. I'm not. I'm gonna break it up. It's what I was spending a lot of time for. I I was breaking it up, and uh, let's go over this stuff uh, because it's really enlightening. And I gotta tell you, if Elon Musk does not go in there and fire everybody, I will be absolutely shocked. So let's take a look. Here's here the first clip is the chief marketing officer or CMO Leslie Ber Berland. And she's not missing words about how she, what she thinks of Elon Musk. Listen. How do the board and Mr. Musk plan on dealing with a mass exodus, considering the acquisition is by a person with questionable ethics? Yeah, she's gone. There's no way he's going to keep her. And by the way, mass exodus, do you know how he's going to deal with the mass exodus? He's going to hire new software engineers. This is the problem with today's generation. Everyone believes they are invaluable that they can't be replaced anybody can be replaced even software engineers and by the way who is this bitch this is a gal i mean and then she doesn't even know elon musk who is she to question him his ethics and what exactly has he ever done that that he his ethics should be questioned i don't like this one she needs to be gone and by the way if you've ever been on twitter and you've gotten suspended. It's this gal's policies that got you suspended. She's the one, she's the first one who should be gone. Now, so here's the chairman of the board of Twitter, and of course this guy's probably gone too. He's commenting on how Twitter uh, needs to continue doing what they're doing, even though Musk has owned, even though Musk owns the company now. Listen to this guy. His name, uh, oh, I don't have his name here. So. Yeah, I don't have his name. The question of attrition, um, you know, as Parag stated, you know, uh, one of the themes of today is continuity um, and ensuring that Parag and this leadership team continues to operate the business successfully on behalf of our users, on behalf of our customers. Um, and that has obviously been a big topic of discussion at the board. And as I mentioned, an area that uh, is important to Elon Musk as well because of the importance of Twitter as a service. Okay, so this guy is either stupid or he's lying to his Snowflake employees to give them some sort of comfort. The reason Musk bought Twitter was so that he could run it better. He could change things. He is not going to keep it the way it is. How do I know this? 
He's tweeted it. He's said it multiple times. He said it on Twitter. Maybe they should go back and take a look. The fact that he doesn't know this shows how out of touch Twitter management really is. The board really is. He, Musk does not want Argwal, who is the uh, CEO. He does not want that same guy running things. So they're going to have to change. Here's Berland again. I really can't stand this one. She's just terrible. Listen to her. With no board in place, who will keep Elon accountable and how? Elon made it clear in public that a large part of the reason he bought the platform was because of our moderation policies and disagreements in how we deal with health. This puts Twitter service and trust and safety, as well as anybody who cares about health on the platform, in a very difficult position. This broad is so gone. I, she can't stand him. By the way, who's good, who, you know who I know is not going to be overseeing Elon Musk? It's the employees of Twitter. He's the effing owner of the company. He does not have to answer to any of his employees. If they don't like it, and I'm sure he's done this before, they can all quit. I'm pretty sure he's going to make sure they quit anyway, or they're going to be gone anyway. But to, to sit back and, and say, oh, well, we got to keep him accountable. No, you don't. That's not your job to keep him accountable. If you don't like it, leave. Another question who was watching Twitter when they started shadow banning people because they didn't like what they said? Who was accountable then? When all conservatives, and I know, I know, it's always a mistake. Oh, oh, it was, it was just a mistake. No, it wasn't a mistake. It was done on purpose. By the way, it was this gal. She was never held accountable for these mistakes. And there's the other thing. I, I hate this word, the safety word. We need to make sure we have an environment that our platform is safe. No, no, no. Safe from what? No, no. They want safety. What they mean by safety is they don't want people saying things they don't like. That's what they mean by safety. They always throw that word. When they censor, they say it's for the safety of our customers. You know what? You can say pretty much everything, anything on Twitter. I feel safe on Twitter no matter what people say. I read George Takai, who's a far lefty. Stephen King, he's a far lefty. Rob Reiner, far lefty. Guess what? They say things I don't like. I never feel like, gosh, I don't feel safe anymore. It's so stupid. Well, finally, we get to Parag Agrawal. Um, he's the current soon-to-be-out-of-work CEO. Uh, here's what he had to say. Twitter service, the role of our policies, and the capabilities we've built around content moderation are fundamental to keeping Twitter safe and growing. I believe that there is a lot of work we have to do to continue making that better. Sometimes that means more thoughtful moderation. Sometimes that means making things simpler. Sometimes that means changing product incentives to be able to solve problems through products sometimes instead of policies. Okay, first thing to know about this guy is that he's into censorship. He doesn't believe in free speech. He's not from this country. He's from India where they don't have free speech. But he has said it multiple times that he believes in censorship and the Twitter should censor. Their moderation policies should censor tweets 
that they don't like, that they considered misinformation and things like that. So they do, he does believe this. Our priorities are not his priorities simply because of the culture, the culture differences between the two. Again, all this is in the name of safety, and that's why they keep saying it. Safety, safety, safety. Listen, you're just saying things on Twitter. If people's safety is threatened by a 280-character tweet, people have some real issues. But that's the problem with the left. They do have real issues. They don't want uh, people to sit there and say men can only be men. They can't be women. You can't change your sex. They don't want you saying that. And by the way, that's why I got banned from Twitter twice. What he's also doing here is smart. All right. He's saying that Twitter needs to continue doing what it's doing, what it's doing. But they need to do it in other ways. They need to change their policies a little bit. They need to change their moderation policies a little bit. They need to tweak them so they're not so extreme. They need to change their they need to change the software itself. They need to change the how it's actually set up. Either way, either way, it doesn't make any difference. Because if I can figure this out, you know Elon Musk is listening to this and figuring it out. And he realizes, no, these guys just want to keep doing what they're doing. But they want to do it in ways that make it look less obvious. Less obvious to Elon Musk. Now, you know Elon Musk heard this, right? You you absolutely are sure. Elon Musk hasn't said a word about it. He hasn't said a word about it for a reason. He can't. He's got to be very quiet until this deal goes through because it's part of the contract. He can't talk crap about Twitter. So he's not. But you know he's listening to all of this. And you know he's just... These guys are all going to be gone. Okay, here's Berlin again. She's obviously really doesn't want to work for Twitter anymore because she's just talking crap left and right. Here, she questions Musk's trustworthiness. I Who she is to do that, I don't know. During the last All Hands, you said that you trust Elon Musk. The correct quote was, we trust him. So who is we? And talking to Elon, what made you trust him? Hey, like I said, this is the gal who is shadow banning people. It's her policies that are shadow banning people. It's her policies that are determine what one on Twitter can and cannot say. Okay. So I don't trust this gal. And if I were Elon Musk, I definitely wouldn't trust this gal. She is, I, she is sharpening knives to stab him in the back. Now, again, Elon Musk runs two of the largest companies probably in human history. So chances are she's gonna he he's gonna take care of that. But I it's just the the gall of this woman who has done nothing but destroy Twitter, helped to destroy Twitter, talking about the new owner. I mean, she had to figure this was gonna come out. She had to figure that people were gonna tell Musk about this. Even if, if Project Veritas didn't say anything, you knew someone was going to. Okay, here's Agrawal uh, not getting that Musk is smarter than him or the board. Listen. And based on the conversation I had with him uh, when we were excited to have him join our board, that was because as a major shareholder and an opinionated user, 
we wanted that voice in our boardroom so that we could learn. No, they didn't. They wanted Musk on the board because then he couldn't buy over 14.9% of the stock. And they were not going to listen to him. He would have no power on the board. And that's exactly why he didn't join the board. He read the contract for the board and he said, no, I'm not doing this. And then he just bought the company. He couldn't have bought the company if he had joined the board. Musk is pretty smart. Twitter tried to, uh, The Twitter board member tried to outsmart Musk. And no, they failed. They failed miserably. Here's Argawal again making the case why uh, Musk should fire him. These guys are just amazing. Is there an updated understanding on what free speech means? The question behind the question here, which is where might Twitter's product go as a private company in the future once this deal closes? To best gain perspective on this, as I said earlier, we'll find ways to bring Elon for a Q&A with all of you to understand better what his vision for the future of Twitter might look like. The whole free speech thing, that this group is is referring to is the speech they consider it free speech uh to censor things the question she's asking you know what 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 does it mean free speech free speech means you say whatever you want and i mean not everything you want obviously there are certain things you can't threaten people there are probably there's probably language that they're they're not going to want i mean they act like there's going to be no moderation with elon musk But that's the problem with these people. They consider it the only free speech they want is speech that they like. Men can be women. Women can be men. Men should be men should be competing in women's sports. All that. That's what they want. Freedom of speech is actually very direct. It's in the Constitution. But these people think they're smarter. Than the founding. I'm sorry. They think they're smarter than the founding fathers. That they can manipulate speech because the founding fathers were wrong. You, you can't just do this. They ignore the Constitution. Argawal ignores the Constitution. He doesn't even like it. Elon Musk must fire everybody. And I'm talking the software engineers. By the way, uh, I, I didn't include that clip, but of course there were tears. One of the lawyers was speaking and I guess she started crying in the middle. Like, can you imagine having a lawyer? That lawyer's gone. Can you imagine having a lawyer that cries? Uh, But that's the world we're we're making. That's the world we live in right now. I do want to point something out, and it's good, is that this was leaked by a Twitter employee to Project Veritas. You know what that means. Not everybody at Twitter agrees with the executive management. That's a good thing. That means there's a very good chance there are people over there that, that do believe in freedom of speech and are happy that Elon Musk is taking over. That makes me happy. I I think that's a good thing. Maybe it will be a lot easier transition than we thought. So, as you know, Joe Biden's presidency is an absolute disaster. Uh, The border crisis is is getting bad. The uh, economy is falling apart. For the first time since the pandemic started, the economy shrunk by 1.4%. We got information about inflation. It's still at 40-year highs. We're looking at a recession. Um, we've got m- 
foreign policy disasters across the world. Saudi Arabia is about to drop the United States for China because of the this stupid nuclear deal with Iran, when Iran probably already has a nuclear weapon. But how did the White House figure they're going to fix this mess? Well, how about sticking Joe Biden out and talking more? Now, this is this is a disastrous, disastrous plan. I mean, I understand why they're doing it. They can't hide him forever. The problem is, not only does he gaff left and right, he is senile. He's gone. This this poor bastard, he he's not with us anymore. Now, he had an event yesterday uh, that was had something to do with the teachers of the year. So he had a bunch of teachers there. And by the way, don't get me started on teachers of the year. I'm, I'm so sick and tired of these teachers who work not get paid very well, work nine months a year, eight months a year, always getting teachers of the year and being so important. Well, here is Joe Biden basically saying, um, hey, the kids, teachers, those are your kids. Nobody owns those kids. Those are your kids. Listen to, listen to this. Oh, and he's getting roasted today because of it. Look, these aren't, we always talk about these children. They're not someone else's children. They're our children. And they are the kite strings that literally lift our national ambitions aloft in a literal sense. Think about it. If you got to do one thing to make sure the nation succeeded in the next two generations, what would you do? You'd want, I would say, literally, have the best educated public in the world. Have our students gain confidence enough to know what they can do, to reach in. We have an obligation. We have an obligation to help them teach and reach their potential. You've heard me say it many times about our children, but it's true. They're all our children. And the, the reason you're the teachers of the year is because you recognize that. They're not somebody else's children. They're like yours when they're in the classroom. You represent a profession that helps them gain the confidence, the confidence they believe they can do anything. Again, think your own lives. Think of where you gain the confidence beyond your family, God willing, you're able to. And you know what else we're finding out? We're having a big fight about it now, but I'm going to get it done eventually. If someone will. Yeah, uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats should continue running on this, where children are not the parents' children. This is, I mean, this is what the Democrats have done this year. We saw it in Virginia last year. They are creating a political class interest group called parents. And by the way, this is a very Marxist. This is a very Marxist philosophy. Marx said the same thing. They're, the nuclear family does not should not exist. Children are part of the collective and they need to be taught. I mean, they need to be indoctrinated. This is what the Democrats believe. And this is not a, a good thing. But there was this guy named Todd Pirro on the Gutfeld Show last night, and he had an answer for him. She had an answer for Biden. And I thought this was extremely clever, and it's, it's very true. <laughs> Is that, a question? Is that was that the question? No. Uh, do you fear? Do you fear 
or your child with this kind of education system. Of course. Should you consider leaving your child in the woods? Early done. better survive. Where do you think she is right now? Yes. How do you think I'm here? Craig, I don't know if you're familiar, but there's a device out there. It's called a nose freedom. Mm. The nose Frida is the device by which a parent, usually me, sucks the snot out of oh. their child's nose. Yeah. Let me explain something. Oh, that's gross. If I'm sucking the mucus out of my child's nose, they're mine, Joe. They're <laughs> not the teachers. They're mine. Mm. I own them. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing that. Not the teacher. Not you. And to the he's absolutely correct about that. By the way, you change your kids. You take care of your kids. You feed your kids. Parents do. Most parents, I'm sure there are a few that don't. We're responsible for the kids. It's us that determines what we do with our kids. I don't even have responsibility for my grandkids. My grandkids are my grand my daughter's responsibility, my son-in-law's responsibility. Those are their kids. Whenever I see something I don't like, I, I basically that's that's my thing. I may say something, but it's none of my business. And that's the reality. That's what this administration, that's what the left doesn't understand. Parents do not want to be told how to raise their kids. And they definitely don't want them indoctrinated in some of this crazy uh, crap they're teaching in the schools now. All right, here's Joe Biden answering a question about the upcoming recession that we're going to have in about a year. Listen to this answer, and yeah, this is very telling. And this is another reason why they're going to get their asses kicked in November. Sir, how concerned are you about a recession, given the GDP reports today show the contraction of 1.4% in the fourth quarter? Well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not concerned about a recession. And, I mean, you're always concerned about a recession, but the GDP, you know, fell to 1.4%. But here's the deal. We're also, uh, last quarter, consumer spending and business investment and residential investment increased at significant rates, both for leisure as well as hard products, number one. Number two, the, we are unemployment is the lowest rate since 1970. A record 4.5 million businesses were created last year. Yeah, he's getting blasted for this. He's not worried about the recession because he's not going to get hurt by the recession. He's going to be fine. He's going to stay in one of his, when he's finished being president, he's going to be in one of his uh, mansions and live life well while he enjoys the Chinese and Russian money he's getting, his son is collecting from around the world. And he'll be just fine. It's like the gas thing. He's not worried about gas prices being high because he doesn't drive. He doesn't pay for gas. He's not, I mean, he's going to leave the presidency. He's probably not going to drive then either. He's finished driving, I think. I am so tired of him sitting back. Whenever someone says that gross GDP is down 1.4%, inflation numbers are high, gas prices are high. Whenever someone point, we're heading towards a recession. We are heading towards a recession. This is almost guaranteed now. We're, we're already in stagnation. We're already a stagnant economy. Every time someone points out, hey, we're having problems in the economy here, the first thing he says is, well, unemployment is way down. We've created 6 million, 7 million jobs. Okay, first off, the government, and I always say this, but the government doesn't create jobs. The government sets an environment up, sets up the economy 
so that it can, uh, so that people want to hire more people. He's doing completely the opposite. He's regulating the crap out of companies. He is charging high taxes, or he wants to charge high taxes. He's flooding the economy with money. And the reality is, yes, unemployment's very low, 3.6%, I believe it is. But the reality is, one, we're still three million, about 3 million jobs short of what we were before uh, the pandemic. And number two, he doesn't take into account that a bunch of people left the workforce. They're not, they're not even counted in unemployment anymore. And some numbers say have it at one to two million people that left the workforce. Well, you add those two million people in there, or one million people in there, your unemployment rate goes up. By Obama did this too. Obama kept saying because Obama's unemployment was very high always. At one point, he had unemployment at fifteen percent. But they always point; they always forget that people do leave the workforce, and that's a, that's considered it's defined as a person that hasn't worked for twenty six weeks or more. So that's something to think about. But I, I don't know why he does. The only thing I will give him credit for, he didn't bother saying that salaries have gone up. Because the first thing someone points out, whenever he says salary goes up, yeah, well, yeah, but in, uh, inflation is, salaries have gone up 5%. Inflation is 9%. So actually everyone got a pay cut. I think he gets this. And then finally, I, I'm telling you, this is all in the same speech. He is getting railed. And this was not a good speech. And of course, you always have the system reboot in the middle of his uh, middle of his words. Here he is uh, trying to trying to say kleptocracy, and then just kind of losing it. And you could see his head just almost explode. Listen to this. Of uh, that will enhance our underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their take their their ill-begotten gains. We're going to accommodate them. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah, kleptocracy. The guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> but these are bad guys. Yeah, I, you could see it when he used the word "accommodate" when he was talking about the uh, about the uh, Russians. And he realized it. Oh shoot, that wasn't the right word. You could see the blue screen in his brain. The guy had no way of figuring out what's going on. Now, normally, I wouldn't make fun of this because I don't think it's funny. I mean, my father, my grandfather had Alzheimer's. He was, I mean, he was basically before he died. He there was nothing left, so it really isn't funny. But this guy is screwing the country so badly. I, I love seeing this. But the question's got to be, how long is how long is this guy going to be able to keep this up? Where's his wife here? I mean, it, shouldn't she sit there and say, listen, Joe, we really, we need to step down. You need to step down. Where is his, we know already that Biden's not running this administration. It's either Ron Klain or it's Susan Rice could be Barack Obama himself. 
But when is someone going to sit there, and I know you don't want Kamala Harris in there. She's a disaster. She's not pop. She's less popular than Biden. But how long can they go? And then they're going to put him out in front of the cameras more? How long is this? How long can this last? I mean, and, and you watch him. He's getting worse and worse and worse. He's not getting better. Okay. So, yeah, third story here. The head of the Department of Homeland Security, um, Alejandro Mayorkas, was in front of Congress yesterday making, uh, trying to convince everybody that there is no problem at the border. The border is going just fine. Of course, that's complete crap. The border is an absolute disaster, and it's going to be a disaster uh, when Title 42 ends. Uh, but I'm not going to talk about that. He made another announcement that they were going to be creating a department of misinformation within the DHS. Listen to his announcement. Just recently constituted a, a misinformation, disinformation governance board. So we're bringing, uh, the goal is to bring the resources of the department together to address this threat. Hey, you knew this was coming. You knew that's where these guys were going. I mean, what a coincidence they do this when Elon Musk buys Twitter and the Democrats are about to get smoked in the next election. You've got to wonder, have these guys ever read a book? Have they ever read 1984? This is exactly in the book. Matter of fact, folks, <coughs> I encourage you, read 1984, read Brave New World, 1984. Excuse me. Brave New World is a lot better than 1984 as far as I'm concerned. 1984 is a little long-winded. But read them. Because this is exactly what's happening today. It is identical. Anyway, it, it what made it worse is they've already picked out a uh, board of disinformation board. And leading it is a gal named Nino Jankovic. Uh, and she's just another left-wing hack. So, it, essentially, they just hired someone who actually has been spreading disinformation. The New York Post said that this gal has been spreading disinformation ever since for her entire career. Here's what they said she did. She embraced and promoted the bogus Clinton campaign, Trump-Russia dossier, the Steele dossier. She pushed that. She waged war. She actually helped to block the New York Post's uh, Hunter Biden laptop story. She worked for the far left wing Wilson Center, where she talked about where she talked about disinformation and the needs for censorship. And she has been known to write hit pieces for for a bunch of uh, left wing outlets. This is what the New York Post stated. Look, she's a career left-wing partisan. From her days working at the National Democratic Institute to the Fulbright Clinton Fellowship to her gig with the left-leaning Wilson Center, where she routinely did media hits with uh, NPR, CNN, PBS, and so on, while replacing re, by, while placing New York Times and Washington Post op-eds. Hiring her for the job just shows how detached from reality and broad American society, the entire Biden team has become. 
Plus, why does the administration even need another disinformation czar when it already has Jen Psaki? I thought that was kind of clever. Listen, there is very little chance this gal is, is going to get no, go through the nomination process. Uh, they are already talking about this. This was talked about yesterday. And they're already saying she's not getting through. Well, if it isn't because of her far leftist beliefs, her Marxist beliefs, it'll be because, it'll be because of her TikTok performances. Apparently, she's a real ham. Here she is singing a little ditty with an English accent, cultural appropriation, with an English accent about disinformation. Listen. Information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. It's how you hide a little hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little hide a little lie when Rudy Giuliani shared that intel from Ukraine. Or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain. They're laundering disinfo when we really should take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice, or vote. Oh! No kidding, that's her. That's this Jakovich gal. Tucker Carlson played that yesterday and he barely had anything to say. He just was in shock. And it's a TikTok video, so you actually see her singing. This administration is just completely unserious. They don't, they don't, they're not serious about anything. To nominate this gal? My lord. Okay, and our last story. <clears throat> I know I'm running a little late, but I, I can't, I can't, I can't. I cannot ignore this story. It is just so bizarre. And it's more proof that men should probably marry women. According to the Daily Wire, quote, a fictosexual man can no longer communicate with his, quote, wife, end quote, of four years. Akiroko Kondo, a 38-year-old Japanese man wed a, wed a holographic image of the blue-haired anime character Hatsune Miku in 2018. The character is described as 16 years old, and the New York Post, the New York Post reported. Kondo fell in love with the character in 2008 after he became ostracized from peers following intense bullying at work. Technology made it possible for the anime fan to interact with her beginning in 2017 thanks to a gatebox machine. This $1,300 device allows users to interact with characters using holograms. This was also how Kondo was able to, quote, marry, end quote, the object of his affection. Believe it or not, um, I've <laughs> fictosexuals, that's a thing. And that is part of the LGBTQXRZW quotation mark pound sign community. It is actually there. According to further down an article, it says this. According to the focus, fictosec, quote, fictosexual is also an umbrella term that encompasses a list of other identities, including more specific attractions such as novel visual characters booklosexual, and vampire-related characters, tobo-use-sexual, 
to, to, taboo, no, tobu sexual. They fall under the asexual spectrum because they're not attracted to people. Unsurprisingly, this group has their own version of the pride flag. And if you look at the article, it's, if you look at the article, they actually have a picture of what it looks like. It's basically a pink dot with a black, with a black uh, border. And it's part of the, the LGBTQ RSTUV flag. This bozo spent $18,000 on the wedding. So apparently this company doesn't make doesn't make the doesn't support the software any, anymore or went out of business. Now the thing is glitching because there's a, a software problem. He can't get an update for it. And so this hologram who he's been with for four years no longer works. Go figure. Well, I mean, I guess we should be surprised. I, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, we're pretty much making everything into its own sex. Well, hey, whatever. Good for him. All right, uh, this is my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. I will be releasing uh, at least one video this weekend, probably right after I turn I finish this podcast. Have a great day. This is have a great weekend. This is Gene. You listen to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Yeah.